If nobody turned that one steer the four times you ran that night, you didn't get a turn in. You just didn't get to row. <laughs> Who in the heck loans you $30,000 to go rodeo? What are you talking about? We get done. We're like, this sucks. We're still going to do it. I, I can't stand it. So I just go up to him and I, I am like, is there something wrong with your brain? So we're officially hey, going. Unoffendable. You know, yeah, that that is our that really is our man. The name of the podcast is the Flatbed Podcast, and the reason it's for that is the Flatbed is like not happening. <laughs> so. We are, as always, brought to you by Classic Ropes and Equinity Products. If you enjoy the Flatbed Podcast, here's what I would ask: please go rate and review. It's actually a tremendous help in doing what we do. It has been a minute since we have heard from Chance Conrado and the people over there at the Gage Podcast. I mean, I don't think anybody would argue with this. I think Chance is sort of the godfather of Western sports podcasts. Um, they just they just blew up. They did amazing things for a long time. And so then all of a sudden last December, they, they just disappear. Um, I, I consider Chance a friend. We've talked. Um, I feel like I kind of knew the story, but I saw or he said some, somehow we found out he's going to be in Arizona. And I asked him, I was like, hey, what, a, what about a podcast? So um, it was exciting to sit down with him and just sort of fill in all the gaps, answer all the questions. Um, I think he would say this. I don't think I'm putting words in his mouth. He's in the middle of sort of a transition. He's a young guy that's done some big things um, and just sort of remapping what that's going to look like in the future. He announces the return of the Gage podcast. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for you guys to get to hear his side of it, see where he's been, what he's been doing, kind of how it went, the way that it went. And so um, it's going to be a little bit more coarse. So if language is offensive, please, uh, please know. I understand that. I, I hope you know. We, we kind of try to keep that on our radar. You know, we want this to be something the family can listen to, but um, I also don't want to tell somebody the way that they're allowed to speak or not speak. So it's really up to the guest. And so if you hear some some language from Chance, um, I, don't, I guess I guess I would just tell you, if language offends you, this is one of those episodes to go, eh, maybe we'll listen to something else. But um, just selfishly, it was cool to just get to sit down and have a candid conversation uh, at a hotel in Scottsdale. So yeah, excited for you guys to hear it fill in all the gaps, get caught up on the gauge and where they're going and what they're doing and kind of how it went the way that it went. It is a new day at the Flatbed Podcast. Let me tell you what I'm doing to tell you how it affects you. We are going into basically our second season. We're not calling it a season because I don't even know why you would do that. I mean, we're into our second year. That's all that means. We're adding a subscription option. What that means is not you have to pay to listen to every episode, but what we're doing is we're recording bonus content for every episode. With every guest, we're asking stupid questions. We're going completely off script. We're just going according to what we think would be funny. Um, it's just bonus content. And what I what I found is you get a little a little better look into the person that's on the on the podcast instead of being stiff or formal. Um, we start off with bonus content. We ask stupid questions. You get the like the live reaction. We've said it's like an inkblot test, right? You just say whatever comes to mind first. I personally have enjoyed it. I've, I've loved the bonus content because, like I said, you get to see a different side of whoever's in uh, the studio. Uh, for the month, it's five bucks for the month, for the entire month, which comes out to about like a dollar, a little like a dollar 25 per episode. So less than a Dr. Pepper, you get to listen to all the bonus content. You can click on it and add. Now, here's what this does. By helping fund a little bit of what we're doing, it allows some travel to places that we would like to go. Um, I was watching YouTube last night about the bullfights, and I was like, man, how cool would it be if we could go to Spain someday and talk to the people that run the bullfighting rings, right? Like, go talk to the people that own the horses that are part of that. Like, And I'm only using that as an example. We're not trying to fund a trip to Spain, but... Uh, you know, I would, I would love the option to financially be able to go to the places where things are happening that are interesting outside of maybe just only team roping in Arizona. I know we made a trip to Texas, so... Um, we're adding the subscription site, but the truth is, honestly, even if it was doing nothing but funding my rock star recovery bill every month, 
um, it, the, the, the content has been fun. It's been a blast. So like I said, $1.25 an episode is what you're, what you're investing. It is super easy. Um, and we haven't had, we haven't had one bonus segment yet that hasn't made everybody laugh. It's been fun. We've enjoyed it. So, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to release three free bonus episodes this week, give you an idea. Um, we're going to release three of them this week. You can take a look at them, see what you think. But then also after that, it'll be one per episode. We haven't recorded any podcast without also including bonus episodes. So, um, I would encourage you to check it out. It's fun. Um, I, I really do enjoy it. It's something I've actually, it's been a, it's been an addition to the podcast that I've enjoyed. So check it out. The Flatbed Podcast is brought to you by, um, we say companies, we say sponsors, but reality, it's brought to you by other people. In the same way that you're sitting here listening to this podcast, there are other people who are investing into this process financially that are bringing this to you so that you can listen to it for free. I love that there are people running companies that have the same shared values that we have in this industry. So when we talk to you about the people that are bringing you this podcast, please understand we're talking about a company, but really what we're talking about is the people. So part of what I do um, with the podcast is I answer a lot of social media questions or text messages from people asking questions about the products that we stand behind or that stand behind us. Um, I don't know what I can say about a quantity that hasn't already been said, um, but one of the questions I get is like, okay, all right, but like for real, but actually, you know, what, what, what's it actually do? And here's, here's my answer. It is the thing that you pour into your overall program with what you're feeding, the exercise, the worming, the things that you're already doing. And Equinity is the thing that goes in and fills the cracks using a natural program that the horse is already equipped with. The pituitary gland is sort of like the gauge system or the gauge program within the horse's body that tells it when it needs what it needs. And this goes in and benefits that. Better better joint health, uh, amino acid in the muscles, things like that. You get a calmer horse that's more willing to go to work. Um, you can check them out at teamequinity.com, teamequinity.com. And like I said, we spend all this time and all this effort on our horse and equinity is the thing at an affordable price point, by the way, that you can put through your horse's system that fills in all the cracks and you end up with a better, well-rounded animal to go do what you need to do. So check them out, teamequinity.com. I hate to be the first one to say this, but because the other person could be like, what? No, we're not. But I think of us, Chance, as being buds. Like we've talked, we stayed in touch, even during all the changes and stuff. I would consider you a friend. A hundred percent. So yeah, absolutely. The chance to come Just over in case he calls back. No pun intended. If, hey, if at any point he does call back, you can answer and put him yeah. on speakerphone. He always calls back, but usually it's 6 a.m. <laughs> what a weirdo. He's retired. He's not supposed to be waking up that you early. You want to know what's really funny about Clint him? Anderson for he, you guys. Just tuning he's in. not married, but uh, you and I talk quite a bit, but probably not nearly as much as I talk to him. <laughs> he's, he's just a red pill Son of a bitch. That's the kind of shit he sends me. He just constantly. I'm like, dude, you know I'm married. It's like, I know it's not working out for you, but it's all right for me. <laughs> so going back, we met when you were doing the gauge. I was on there a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. To be honest, I don't know that I, I like, there's parts of your story that I kind of do know and kind of don't know. The world met you, I think, through the podcast. Would you say that was like your like emergence from the dark years? Because they say like as a kid, they say you, you start in your dark years. And that's where you get your character and your integrity and your habits and patterns and things like that. And then you go out basically on to the, to the stage of life, if that makes sense. If, would you agree that it felt like the gauge was kind of like your introduction to the world? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, outside of your normal rodeo type circles. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it was like, there. I can't say before you, I can't say there was really like, I don't want to, like, if I'm forgetting somebody, I'm not trying to cut anybody out, but it wasn't like there was a really an established Western podcast for the gauge. 
Not that I know of, but I'll be the first to say I don't do a lot of market research. Before yeah, I do well, and like in fairness, if there's somebody's out there who's like, I've been doing this for a hundred, oh, sorry, it's not to disrespect anybody, but like you guys were unquestionably the biggest podcast in a pretty short matter. Of t- like how long from the time y'all started did you feel like it started to take off? Within five episodes. Really? Yeah. Within five episodes, we were hitting numbers that were mainstream numbers. Um, in fact, I haven't released a new episode just because of all the stuff that I'm sure we're going to get into since December of last year. And we're still, for some reason, people, and I'm not even counting YouTube, but between Apple and Spotify still had 50,000 downloads a month. That's wild. Yeah. I, I don't know what triggers that. I don't know who's listening to them, but it's funny. You're here in Scottsdale and one of my business partners is here and we pulled it up just because you get those little right, spreaker little notifications, notifications. Yeah. you know, you got, you got, uh, 15,000 downloads this week. And I'm like, who the frick right, is still listening right. to these? I mean, there's like 200 of them out there. So maybe, well, I think that's but, it. You know, like you get introduced to somebody in some walk of life and then you see they did a podcast and like you guys, you, I mean, you covered a pretty wide range of people. Yeah. I mean, how truly, did, how did the idea, I mean, cause here's the thing, here's the thing. I don't want to just talk about the gauge. I just want people to understand like, this is where our friendship started and I want to get to the rest of it also. But a lot of my Good friendships. Um, that's really, I mean, cause you outgrow a lot of people from your childhood and I still, I mean, there's certain people that I knew, but you asked me who I would call that were famous people. Every single famous person that I know intimately came from the gauge and I was going to call one of four people and I chose Clinton cause I thought it would be funny for your podcast. Just for the fun of it. Do you want to mention any of the ones that didn't get? Uh, so my buddy Luke Pell, uh, he was the bachelor. Huh. He, uh, he was, he's a, it's funny. He lives here in Scottsdale and he's in my town in Florida. Oh, nice. He does work out there, but I, I could have called him. He would have answered, but he's not funny. Luke Pell. Luke Pell. Yeah. So I know everybody's out there like looking up his picture. He's a yeah. bachelor. He's a bachelor. So of course he's handsome, but right. he's just not funny. He's not that funny. <laughs> Clinton would have been like, I mean, it would have been right. Oh yeah. So that's why I yeah. chose him. He is nothing if not entertaining. Uh, yeah. Among well, other things. Where did like, Let's go back because I want to start over because we, we know what the gauge became. I want to talk about kind of where it's at and where it's going. Yeah, like there's, absolutely. There's some like breaking news coming on that before we're done here. Yeah, but, there is. Uh, you guys grew up in Colorado. Is that right? That's where we came from. Yeah, originally. For, for people that don't know, like you're, you got some famous family members. Sure do. Yeah. I mean, Ivy Sabins, Ivy Conrado, whatever you want to call her. I mean, she's a five-time NFR qualifier, NFR average winner, American winner. I mean, she's kicked some ass. Yeah. Rock star so, barrel racer. She really is. So. Um, your other sister, she's training horses still. Is that right? Uh, no. So she owns a, she owns a horse supplement company. She started, it's called Old West Holistic. Uh, it's a product called EPM Super Dewormer. There's gonna be a lot of people out there who probably use it. I mean, it's pretty amazing stuff. She pro rodeos as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, she, she does her thing. She lives there in Stephenville, Heiko and does her thing. She's got a great product and helps a lot of horses. So it's really, really cool. And then she does that. Your dad was Kelly. Well, still is. No. Yeah. Yeah. He still is Kelly, but growing up, you're, you had a dad named Kelly. I did have a dad named Kelly. Yeah. Still Still named Kelly. Oddly (laughs) enough, how that works. (laughs) Shut up chance. I'm sorry, Jordan. You Um, opened yourself up for that. It's a dumb question. And he was who to the industry. Uh, so Kelly is one of the most prominent barrel fraternity horse barrel horse repairman out there. There's not a uh, professional barrel racer out there, man, woman, or child that doesn't know who he is, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Right. Um, But he has coached many uh, NFR contestants, um, trained a lot of nice horses, trained a and bred and raised a a AQHA barrel horse of the year. Um, Which one was that? 
Which horse? Which horse was it? Uh, her name was C4 Tibby Stenson. She was the AQHA Horse of the Year. Uh, with who's riding her? Ivy. Oh, really? Yeah, with Ivy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they won half a million dollars that first breakout year, including the American. Jeez. And so, you know, your peers vote on Horse of the Year and all the events. Well, they voted for her in 2016, so that was a big deal for his. Yeah. No, that's a huge. Achievement. For his deal. Yeah. People have told me I talk too much about my great horse that won it last year, so I'm not going to throw that in there. Yes, no, I just did. I mean, if yes, you, I just did. If you train a horse, it's the culmination of all your hard work. You should talk about it. Well, I, don't get me wrong. I'm super proud of it. But like I said, I think people are tired of hearing about it, so I'm going to respect that. But I will just say it's it's a, it feels it feels like a really cool thing, probably more to you than anybody else. But like to get to be a part of that horse's story and see it go well, and to be fair, I mean, Lightning was a bigger part of that even than the horse was. But still, you know, right. cool to be a part of. It is. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's, it's one of those things If you train horses, which I do uh, a lot more now than I did when I was in Fort Worth. It's been a great change, the best change of my life. Um, because my situation, I was partnered in a business that was soul consuming, kept me off yeah. the back of a horse, tried to damage the gauge on every level. Um, and so a lot of decisions were made, but getting to be where I'm at now and ride my own horses with right. my own people. Right. Um, I'm in business with a uh, 12 gauge ranch on the horses, which we've got my mother and a, a gentleman named Dustin Pointer. The three of us are partners on that business and we just have a crop of colts. Yeah. How many, when you say a crop, what does that mean? Uh, well, I mean, so right now we've got between every age, we've got about 14. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not an easy thing to do. To stay no, but that that's anymore. including uh, uh, weanlings and yearlings, yeah, two-year-olds, right. crop of three-year-olds, and some upcoming four-year-olds, and then a couple that just aged out. So. Well, we were talking about it on the way up, and like when I left, because last time we talked, I was still pastor in a church, and I remember telling you at the time, like, this is not a forever thing for me. Like, I still love Jesus. I still believe everything I always said. I still fully believe everything I ever taught. I just hate people management. Yeah, and I knew that wasn't. I knew that was not a forever thing for me, and it has been this. And I think this is what you and I were talking about. Is like, it just feels so therapeutic to be outside and it's quiet. Like at night, I can turn the lights on, everybody's in bed, and I can just be slowly at my own pace going through whatever they need that day. Like there's no chaos. There's a there's like an immediate return. Like when you see one getting better, like there's something very cathartic about stepping away from a corporate position. And into just getting to ride good horses. Like I, I, I've, I've been unbelievably grateful that that was where I got to go next. Yeah. I mean, that's not totally my ideal because I'm a little bit the opposite. I actually really enjoy the stress uh, of managing people. It is a disaster all the time. Dumpster fire, babies jumping out of windows constantly. Somebody's mad at you. Somebody wants more from you. Yeah. But entrepreneurship is, is always going to be my, my deal Yeah. on top of horse training and podcasting or whatever else. It's just a thing. That so I, you enjoyed all the chaos I, and, you know, I do because it's like, I can't solve a Rubik's cube, but I thrive in those environments. So. Right. That makes sense. So like the horse deal, like step in, I guess let's do this. Cause I want to, I know, I want to know more about how the gauge happened, but I think people yeah. are probably wondering, like they haven't heard from me. You're like the voice of the Western industry for I, a little while. I know. Well, and you know what? It, it got so crazy that I, I quit responding to messages cause. Oh, I can't imagine. It, it was just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, but there's a funny story all about it. I mean, I was traveling from Florida back to Fort Worth for quite a while. People didn't even know. Right. To do shows cause we had the studio there. 
But uh, all right, so let me tell you. Let me let's tell go you. back. Let's go well, back. You want to go back to when the gauge started or when it took the hiatus? No, let's talk about you're the asking the questions here. I don't mean to. Uh, no, hey, listen, you're a professional. You know how to do this. You tell me what you want to do, and I'll just follow. Well, so I guess if you're wanting to know chronologically, big word, I know. Uh, I started the gauge podcast because I'm a cowboy, and there was no represent. And I've told people this. People know this shit, but. There was no representation. I think I said it on the Cowboy Channel before, but there was no representation from our industry mainstream. Right. Just not. Biggest right. thing would be a bull rider, maybe like a J.B. Mooney or what, whatever. Right. Um, it's bigger now, thanks to Yellowstone and people getting involved and yeah. Taylor Sheridan's and whatever the fuck Teton Ridge is. Um, oh, them a call back because they were trying to do stuff with the gauge. Everybody was for a minute. Yeah. You no, it was like, it was the place to be for yeah, sure. It was really interesting. So when you, when you started it, like what was your, what was your vision? Like if it had gone exactly the way you wanted it to go, what did you set up? I mean, it do? went exactly as I wanted up until about last September, but, um, a mainstream platform where I could basically do what Rogan does. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a cowboy perspective and to like, one of my biggest things was to show like, look, we're smart people. We know some things about the world. We can make a big impact. I learned that's not a hundred percent. Well, I mean, it's a little bit of a romantic version, but sure. I yeah. understand why there, there's some of the best people, some of the best people in our industry, some of the worst, but some, some of, the, of the highest quality humans, period. Absolutely. And so and there's I, a, there's a challenge to trying to tell that story accurately because it's, it, they're naturally pretty insular, right? Yes. They're not somebody who's really practiced their version of a story. And so to your credit, you try to bring that out. And sometimes it feels like pulling teeth because they're not by nature. They're not communicators. They're doers. Right. And the story deserves to, to be out there, but sometimes it's just hard to get it. Well, and you have to be really careful when you're creating content for, for what I would have called mass consumption, right? Like if you're creating content, you have a very, 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 difficult task and the most important task if you want your show or anything to be successful to not be a repetitive robotic person right right you have to make it interesting you have to you have to have similar people with similar backgrounds on the show and get something different out of them that's why i goofed around with people all the time that was the main reason that whole bar was set up right. in the studio it's just a relaxed you, environment just to relax i mean you've been yeah. to the studio it was chillest it right. was the chillest place for sure for this type of thing um all by design so, so real quick, you get ready to roll this out. You got an idea where it's going to go, but then you start to have a space for it. You got to have people, you have the people that were helping kind of put it all together. Um, how did the, like the nuts and bolts of it, how did that start to come together? Well, so we threw money at it. Um, I believed in the gauge so much that I sought out investment. Um, and I wanted to go balls to the wall. Yeah. Like see what it could be. Well, uh, I mean, I mean, I believed in it and I found people who believed in me enough to do it with me. And right. uh, that's where 12 Gauge Ranch came in, which I was involved with. Horses have been for right. years. But um, were you doing horse stuff with them before the, the Gauge podcast? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, uh, not nearly on a micro level compared to what it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's macro as shit at this point. Because, I mean, for the last year, I've put everything into that. Yeah. Right. Outside of obviously business pursuits and yeah. family. But, uh, so we put it all together. We we leased an office space. Um, Real quick, how did you settle on that space? Because it was not like a Western venue. It was in town. It was right there off in Haltom City. How well, did you decide? Just close to the airport or? Close, close to the airport. Um, 
and Dallas Fort Worth price had a lot to do with it. We weren't going to pay ten grand a month for a freaking right office right in. I mean, and but you were working in Fort Worth at the time, right? Oh, I had so a business had, there, so it all made sense. It had to it be was within a few to miles to from where I lived outside of DFW, from my business and the studio, right. but also it was centrally located. We're talking a mile from downtown Fort Worth, two yeah. miles from the stockyard. Uh, when we had our porters would go to the airport and pick guests up, they'd be at the studio within 20 minutes back to the airport if they wanted to be, or be, we had a hotel sponsor, the Hilton there in Fort Worth and downtown, um, was one of our corporate sponsors. And so they would comp us rooms Perfect. for our guests. Um, so it was all, so the location made sense for the podcast. I well, mean, it was absolutely. Like, it was right I mean, of everything. that location makes sense because it's also like a hub. Almost everybody who's anybody in the rodeo world lives near or around or they're going to be through there somewhere they're going to be through there a hundred times a year right so it was very strategic not to mention i live there for that very reason but uh we wanted to create a space unlike any other space that was as kind of sounds silly but as breathtaking when you walk into like holy the gauge is serious yeah right um and so that's what we did we just pimped it out put a bar put a popcorn machine, three sofas, four offices for the staff, a waiting room, a swag shop. Just I mean, like a giant was, man cave for a podcast. It was a giant man cave for, yeah, for childless pursuits. Did you did you put any thought into who you wanted to have on there first? Like, was it meaningful or just whoever was yeah, available Yeah, so first? it was very meaningful. There was a lot of drama surrounding kind of what had been going on with my sister, and I wanted to do my very first show with Ivy. I'm sorry that I don't know what it was. What was the drama? Uh, For those of you guys who don't know about Bale's hay, let me just tell you, it has changed the way that I feed alfalfa. I feed so much less hay. Um, Part of that's with my partnership with Unbeatable, which by the way, check them out also, but I feed less of it because it's so dense. It's such high quality stuff. It flakes off in like little bitty flakes. I've joked every single commercial, it feels like something you would eat yourself. It just has that deep, rich smell. It's very leafy, great, great quality stuff. But they also have a storefront there in Buckeye um, you can check it out. It's down there on uh, on Highway 85 uh, in Buckeye. They're now an ADM Mormons feed dealer, which means not only can you go get the best hay in Arizona, you can also get all types of feed for and hay for all kinds of animals. Uh, the Mormons, you can check it out. The Mormons feed all the things that they bring. So not only is it the best hay, not only can they deliver, not only is the best quality hay I've ever fed, you can also go check them out at their storefront in Buckeye and pick up Mormons feed, kind of a one-stop shop thing. Check them out, baleshay.com. The update that has cost me almost the sanity of my brain, almost the function of my phone, and has taken so much time away from my day. That sounds negative, but it isn't. Everybody wants to know, how's the Pro Series lights? I got them in. Andy, on his way back from Vegas, stopped and installed them up here at the arena. You guys, these Pro Series lights from Ranch Hand Solar Lighting. Holy cow. They live up to the hype. We roped the other night until about uh, maybe about 1 o'clock. And we get done and we realize I was talking to my buddies because we still have some of the thousand watts uh, supplementing the few that they brought out. And we get done and I go, hey, we never turn the thousand watt lights up. We rope the entire time with our thousand watt lights on dim because the Pro Series lights are doing such a good job. Uh, If you've waited, if you've been kind of kicking around, I don't know, solar, maybe, I don't know. I will post pictures also, but the update is this. They are amazing. You will not be disappointed. Check them out. Ranch Hand Solar Lighting. You want to hear the coolest story coming out of Wickenburg this winter? Because I've got it. The 1017 Project, uh, the Flatbed Podcast, Downtown Arena, Rancho Rio, Roper Nation, and the town of Wickenburg are all partnering. You heard me right. 
All of those, all of those entities are partnering to put food in the food bank through the team ropings. So what we're doing is we've started the We Heart Wickenburg series this winter. Uh, all the podcast sponsors, I've got boxes from Aquinity, I've got boxes from Cinch, I've got boxes from Equibrand. Uh, Ranch and Solar Lighting has donated a set of arena lights. Unbeatable Feed has an entire truckload of feed that they have donated to the We Heart Wickenburg series. The first one's going to be November 10th. And what we're going to do is we're going to use the money raised at those events to put hamburger into the food banks here in Wickenburg. Uh, Christy Henson has an entire team of people assembled um, to distribute the, make sure that, hey, listen, listen to this number. They said that 70% of the kids in the Wickenburg school district are on food assistance, which means we have got this tremendous food insecurity uh, situation in the heart of the team roping capital of the world. And so everybody's coming together, we're partnering to eradicate that. Shout out to the 1017 Project for the work that they're doing, helping organize it, the sponsors, the arenas, the producers. Coolest story ever. And you go, how can I get involved? November 10th is the first one. We're going to give out tons of little trinkets and prizes and things like that. It's going to be at Downtown Arena. Shout out Mike and Karen Fuller. Anyway, cool story coming out of Wickenburg. Be a part of it. It's just a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a feel-good thing, and it actually is making a difference. The ropings will still have the regular payout. If you win the rope and you still win the money, the fundraiser is what is uh, what is made that day will go to put hamburger in the food bank. So you don't have to enter the rope and then donate everything you win or anything like that. It's still just a regular team roping. Drama surrounding kind of what had been going on with my sister and I wanted to do my very first show with Ivy. I'm sorry that I don't know what it was. What was the drama? Uh, I'm not going to get into it. I, I can't get into that. Fair. Um, she, it's on that show. If somebody wants to go know back what the to drama episode was, one, go to episode one of the gauge, like many have. Um, gotcha. But it did now. cause waves. I will in be my listening family to that on the way for back airing that out, and I have since said I will not rehash that. Fair. Uh, no, that's fair. If it's family stuff, I get that. It's totally family stuff, but it's all juice squeezed right there. Episode yep. one. You have to go back about three years, but it's there. So it was meaningful to you that that story got told. It was. Yeah. Through. I mean, because yeah. there was a lot surrounding that that story, and. uh you know, it, it is a story about how we grew up, which was yeah. not a simple. Man, that's weird, up. isn't it? Like, I love, I love my mom and dad, and I've got a good mom and dad, and I wouldn't ever want to ever say anything that ever comes across as disrespectful. But my kids, I know my kids will have conversations among themselves about like, "Geez, mom and dad were insane." That's just what kids do, right? And there I are think times, even great parents get that same. That's thing that's my kids. point. And I think there are times like I would I would almost be more open about how funny my family was about things and how different we were about things. But I don't want it to ever come across as like disrespectful or like dishonoring to them. But that's probably anybody. Anybody, if they got real honest about their family, they've all got things they look back on. And they're like, what was that? Like, what in the world? And then you had dysfunctional families. So dysfunctional families. And so. that stuff sticks with you. And you start just carrying around the 13-year-old version of yourself everywhere. All of a sudden, like you're opening doors for your personality disorder from when you were 13 years old. That's exactly what I did. So I joked that this podcast was like the therapy I couldn't afford, right? You get to sit and talk to people about their stories. I think the trick is you, you have a podcast. The trick is you want that person to be highlighted. Did you feel like that you were getting some of that, just the ability to talk through life with people from different perspectives right off or to that? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I will say I don't have many gifts, but I have a singular gift for being able to create really good content with pretty much anybody and get things out of them. I, I can't, I can't think of any, I had weird episodes, but I never, there was never a stale episode. Right. There might've been like one guy, I'm like, all right, we're cutting this 40 minutes short. Right, right, you, right. you just, you cannot just not, do this anymore. I don't, cause I can't do it anymore. I can only think of like two guests that were like, just like 
pulling teeth. Maybe they weren't quite ready for something like this. But for the most part, because it was a big platform, I mean, most people were real nervous and they really wanted to deliver. It's like, I remember, I remember, uh, Shad Mayfield, Mm -hmm. Shad Mayfield, didn't want to do the gauge for a while because he didn't feel like he was ready to talk about some of the stuff. So he delayed like for a year and a half and finally just sent me a message. He was like, all right, I'm ready to, to tell my story. And then he did, but it didn't like, it didn't like, mm, like I think he probably wanted it to. Well, sometimes a stage can be overwhelming and it's like intimate. It's like yeah. a long form. It's not a 30 second interview with Amy Wilson. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Well, so and it's that's different. I think that's the reason like some of the podcasts that have come up since too are doing well is that I would have killed to sit in the back seat with my heroes driving down the road. You know, you, you grew up calf ripping, right? Yep. You know I mean? What would you have given as a kid to sit in the backseat with Cody Ole and Fred Whitfield while they were rodeoing together just to hear what the conversations are like? You know, and, and to me, that's what a podcast is. You actually yeah. get to sit and get a glimpse into someone's life. And, you know, whether that's exciting or whether that's impactful or meaningful, that's kind of just determined by the way the conversation goes. But either way, you're still getting a look at that person's life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's, well, guys like that, it's great. Cause they're going to deliver cause they'd have true stories. My yeah. favorite guys to talk to are the old guys. Same. Dude. I don't like talking to guys my own age as much. Cause well, things are different now. The sport's different. And like, when you're like Joe B said, I did so much f-ing cocaine that I died <laughs> in airports. Like that's, a, that's okay. That's crazy. That's real. Shit, that it's, sounds amazing on a podcast. Real. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's definitely like clip worthy content for sure. Yeah. And it's well, and we never clipped really it. Honest. Yeah. I mean, we never, cause we had tons of clips cause we did the video. We never clipped anything that made anybody look unflattering. Yeah. Um, did you ever have times where you're doing one and people are like, wait, can we cut that out or a call afterwards? Maybe like, I shouldn't have said that or said that name. Uh, there was uh, two times I can think of where somebody wanted something removed. Yeah. And you guys did it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Same, same. There's times where I'm like, man, it doesn't look that bad. Like I understand what you're saying, but it really didn't come across the way you think it did. But it doesn't matter if they want to take it off. Like yeah, I was just two, uh, two things. I don't even remember. Well, one of them, I'll get into a story. It's about <laughs> when we stopped. I mean, this is, crazy. This is funny. When you stopped? When we stopped doing the podcast, there was some funny things around that when we took the break. Okay. Um, but, yeah, just a couple. I mean, there were there was this one musician that we had on. He was a country music singer, and uh, I won't say his name because it, it went. But he was, his agents wanted him to come on. A pretty big country music singer, okay. um, but he is strung out on drugs when he did the show. Like he couldn't remember his songs because anytime we have country music people on, we always have them do a little concert at the end. Keep talking. I'm going to talk you into texting me a name. You don't have to say it out loud, but I want to know who it is. But you can text it. Oh, I don't know if you even know who they are. I don't know. Just for the sake of interesting, and I'm sorry to do this to the listeners because I realize I'm kind of cutting them out of the story. Yeah, I'm, I can't walk and chew gum, dude. So I'm gonna. Have so to- that's impossible because you're trying to do a podcast with somebody that's just completely strung out. I, I was. It was fun i mean he was crazy <laughs> did it feel like he was going too fast or too slow to be honest dude i don't know oh shit, dude i had my pen in the oh, all right well you'll see it it is what it is um oh yeah i don't know who that is good news listeners you, you do know, know who that is no i have no idea who this yeah is. i mean i don't know how big he i mean he had a couple big songs but definitely not my type of music it was just like out of his head. music oh and so about a year later um he had gone to rehab or what well, i don't even whatever musicians whatever, do yeah. cope with the fact that they just hate their lives. It's kind of a thing. <laughs> but uh, they t- they send us a cease and say, hey, we have to pull this down. It's bad for his reputation. He looks like shit. And we're like, dude, we're happy to because that was like our worst episode. Yeah, to be honest, we didn't like it either. Yeah, we so. didn't like it either. I'm, I'm really glad that you have new management because I don't want to talk to them again. Yeah, yeah. But, well, and like, I don't know. I feel, I don't know. You tell me what you think, but like I feel like you have a responsibility to paint a picture accurately, right? 
hundred some, percent. But sometimes at the same time, you feel almost protective of people. Cause you're like, dude, you don't understand how bad this sounds. You don't understand how you're coming across right now. But you, I mean, it's not really, they're not asking me to be their PR management. Well, yeah, but if you're a good podcast host or just a good, whatever you want authenticity, whether that's a good version or a bad version, if you're up there and somebody's just being a, phony yeah then it's, what's the point of them being there that's so i think that's the hardest podcast to do is the guy that really doesn't know himself so he's trying to convince you of his avatar you know he's got this avatar version of himself and he's trying to convince you and it's like you know okay it's almost like you have to kind of play along a little bit but really what you want to know is who are they really like when all the when all the bravado is gone and when all the like reputation and image is all set to the side who are they really and man there's some people that have never really done that in their own lives with themselves and that's hard because you're like, they don't know. They don't, they can't have that conversation because they haven't had that experience yet. Well, I mean, that's true. But most of us, most of us do live that avatar state or whatever it was you said, whatever weird word that was. Yeah. Avatar. It's your, like the, your presentation to the world. Well, you know? we always do that. We always try to put our best version forward. We generally lie without lying to people every, every day. Whether it's the way you walk, talk, present yourself, the way you tell stories, generally you're not being fully authentic in your daily life. Yeah. As a, as a rule, speaking, it yeah. ends up it ends up you do that. I've done that for the majority of my life. I found in the last year of really trying to figure out who I actually am. Right. Uh, not so much on the gates, surprisingly, but there were there were certain beliefs, certain things I said, certain things I did that I no longer one believe. Like what? Two agree with. Well, I was, if you listen to some of the episodes of The Gauge, I was singularly focused on like financial pursuits and things of that nature and being really like motivated. Like if, if you don't have money, you can't help anybody. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which there's an element of that that's true. You can, that, I still believe parts of that, but I just had learned a lot about myself in the last year because of the way that things have transpired. Um, was it Was it hard when it was going well and it had been such a big part of your life, was it hard to have an identity apart from the podcast after a while? You know what? It was uh, one of my downfalls. Yeah, because if I had to pick the thing that I would want to just do, it would have just probably been that podcast at that time. Yeah. But I was also operating a business with a business partner who was so anti the gauge. For what reason? Uh, It's a good question. Probably because he thought that he was doing more work on the business than me, which wasn't true. Um, But that he wasn't getting a fair deal that I was distracted as a business partner and who knows. And, and maybe him and his wife were really about attention and the way that they looked and they were just much different than me, but I tried to fill in that role to fit in with them. And I had, because, you know, I got into business with this guy when I was 24 years old, he's 40, you know what I mean? And so I looked up to looking, him and looking back on him. it, were there red flags of like, oh, Holy shit. Red flags, <laughs> white flags, red flags, little flags that have little smiley faces. All the flags these, except the green ones. Uh, some no, were, some of them no were green. green lights. Yeah, some of them were green, but they were mixed in with other colors. So, so looking back on it, it was just a, a nightmare yeah. from the beginning, and you're just young enough that. I, I don't know that it was because I mean I completely and totally admire the guy. I mean he was jacked out of his brain. I didn't realize how much steroids you had to take to look like that at the time, but jacked out don't of his cool. brain. <laughs> super hot wife, you know, very like you would think, just very worldly, yeah. very worldly. Now, rodeo people are different because I live kind of two different lives. It's like what what is construed to be like an attractive person in the rodeo world is completely different than the regular world. Yeah, right. I mean, it's totally different. It's a it's it, like a blue compare, collar. Nobody blue even, collar attractive. Nobody even gets it, right? Yeah. You know, and, and so if you ever hang out with people like that, they look at our, they look look at my rodeo friends and you look down on them. 
they're like, dude, why is that guy's shirt six sizes too big? And what's why so many? Why, why is he wearing boots everywhere? Yeah, why is you his know? shirt sleeve not touching all the way around his bicep? Well, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And so people, uh, and I do dress like that, so it's fine. But, <laughs> you know? They don't make shirt they, sleeves small enough for me to do that. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, Shut up, Chan. Especially now. You're not supposed to. That. Push up, Jordan. <laughs> it's just do one. <laughs> just kidding. But, uh, you know, I, I felt like I owed that guy so much um, that it was constant chaos, that business, that partner, um, even my wife always at odds with the gauge and what the gauge required for me, mm -hmm. um, which was a lot. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you're juggling a lot of balls cause you don't always get to control when a guest can come on. Like you got no, but I mean also, and then you have all this, you have all this responsibility to bring revenue in to pay all these employees. You know, we have four employees, not including me. Right. You know what I mean? And you know, they got to get commissions on the advertising and you know, they got to have their time off and they got to do this and they got to have their ideas taken seriously. And if you don't take their ideas seriously, then they get offended. And it's just like, what a nightmare. It, well, yeah. But I mean, I thought that it had to be that way to do it at that high of a level. Cause that's what all the big podcasts did. And right. to a, to a degree to do it the way that I did it, you absolutely do need that. For sure. You can't do it as a production, like a true production. Um, and you don't have to. I mean, you can do it this way and it sounds just as good. Dude, to your credit, but I learned a lot about what I wanted to do on here by watching the gauge because I never watched the gauge ever. I always listened to it on my headphones. Yeah. And it's like cameras, the amount of, like I walked up with a suitcase. We're doing this because I had a suitcase with me, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, Jacob, my, my partner Jacob, like he does a lot of the like editing and uploading and stuff like that. And that's it. That's it. That's the only people I answer to is Jacob and I. And yeah. There, there's probably a way to grow faster using video or, or YouTube or all the stuff. But like to me, watching everything that you guys had to go through to make, to keep that running, I was like, man, that's life's too short. Like I would rather it grow slower if I have to, than have to keep up with all the juggling balls. Cause you guys yeah. had a lot going on. Oh, well you got, you got the lighting, you've got the production, you've got the streaming, you've got the freaking making sure that the sounds match with the video and then you have all the animations and the intros and the outros and Blech. you know we were distributing them to the cowboy channel too and they were a freaking mess they burned me down forever to have the gauge on the cowboy channel as soon as we got them set up they like start they started falling apart and they didn't even keep up with listening i mean they are such a disaster and we spent untold staff hours getting them everything right. set up so that they could just plug and play with gauge episodes and then it lasted like Maybe six months they put the episodes out, but they were so dysfunctional they couldn't even get with a release schedule. Hmm. You know, they advertised that they were going to carry the gauge, and then they couldn't even deliver on it. Yeah. Well, you know? and you want, I mean, it's, and I let it go. Again, man, business partners, it's a weird one. Like, I love, I love the independence of this job. Like, I could jump on an airplane, I could go meet with somebody I wanted to get to meet with. It's easy. And I don't like when I said people management, that's the kind of stuff I hope I never have to do ever again is like, I like people and I want to keep liking people. So I don't want to be people's bosses. I don't want to be people's like authority in life. Like I want to enjoy the time that I get to be around people. And man, you get, you get so bogged down in that. The pretty soon you're like, man, what am I doing? This isn't even fun anymore. It's true. Yeah. And you know what? I, I actually like people and I like teams. Like teams are a big thing for me in every business. Like I create teams. The gauge was a team. And mm. when it was good, it was good. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you have teams, it was good. But as soon as somebody disagrees and you don't know, and I'm a very offensive person. Um, it's one of my flaws. Just whatever comes out, comes out. You know that. But uh, 
unfortunately, I would offend our staff members a lot by mm. dismissing their ideas. Frankly, because they were just ideas. That's hard. But, that's but hard. Can't, like, that's hard. How do you tell somebody that? Because you're right. There's just like, that's how I would do it, which is a terrible <laughs> way, a uh, terrible way to do it. But uh, I, I wouldn't change the way the gauge was. It's going to be different now. Um, we're always going to have Wait, 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 wait. Are we, that, are we to that point? We're 30 no. minutes in. Is this the or, no, no, no. no. So you got to ask some questions, dude. I'm carrying this thing on my Well, shoulders. no, you're doing great. I Are we about to announce something? Was that a, it sounded like a teaser right there. You said the way we're gonna. Yeah. Well. Are we back? Well, maybe. Well, yeah, we're back. Are we coming we're back? We're not back yet. It's so funny. Um, I, let me explain a few of the reasons why the gauge had to go on a hiatus. First and foremost. Let's do that. Let's do that. And then we'll, t- we'll announce the return. Yeah. Oh, wait, so I first and said. foremost, um, my business partner and I, who I uh, so elegant, elegantly referenced before, Mr. Jack yep, Daddy, yep, with yep. A, you know, I won't say his name ever because it went from best friend to worst enemy. But that's um, fun. It's just the way that goes sometimes. But we had a very abrupt end to our six-year business that we had together. You know, okay. it was an eight-figure business, three locations throughout the United States. He ran one, I ran one. We had one that was independent. And it all ended very, very abruptly. And the gauge was a huge component of that. Um, could not support it. Uh, thought that that I was doing that was foolish and stupid and that it was hurting our business. Felt like he felt like you're He needed you to pick one or the other. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and you know, you don't realize it until you're like, man, three years of underhanded comments about my podcast. Why do you hate my podcast so much? But you know, in hindsight, I get it. It's like, okay, I got this business set up. So, and I'm leaving to go to Montana to do a podcast or I'm, I'm leaving at three o'clock. I'm leaving the office so I can do a podcast with Joe Beaver. He didn't know who the, Joe Beaver is, and he sure doesn't care who Joe right, Beaver is. Right. You know, even the podcast I did with famous people like Tim Kennedy or name a guy who was just a mainstream person or like C. Thomas Howe, like pick a person or Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, whatever. Even that, it's just like, so what? Uh, is, it, is it generating money? Well, and that's you – know, so you know I think I mean? that's that's like second-tier leadership, which is you got to be fully committed and all that, and I think that's true. But the, I think the upper-tier leadership that I really enjoy is when somebody can look at the nuances, which is – Yes, Chance is gone. Yes, Chance is juggling a lot of balls. But is he doing a good job with that? Because I think I think it would be you would hope you're in business with somebody you can go, man, you're busy and you're distracted and you got a lot going on, but good on you. You're doing a good job. Versus no, for me to think you're working, you have to quit everything. And that's well because what they're doing is they're limiting they're they're limiting your ability. They're saying the only way that you could possibly be productive is to do it this way. And it doesn't leave the door open for you to go, no, I could be productive doing this way and this way. And Which you can if you know what you're doing. And you and, and what I have learned is you have to have people with a similar vision. If you have two separate visions, that's always going to be the case. Yeah, that's fractured. Even, you know, we had three different stores in, in, and they were Southern California, Denver, Colorado, Dallas-Fort Worth. And the Dallas-Fort Worth one, the one that I ran, apparently wrong, which I made a lot of mistakes. Very young. Um was the number one store right. as far as revenue, right. but that's besides the point. And he probably, there was elements of it, right? I, it probably was wrong to try to juggle both things at such a high level. Um, probably because there were times where I was releasing one episode of the gauge a week, one a week. Um, if you, if and you had that it. was manageable, but before I got to that one a week, we were doing two a week, eight a month. Right. That's how I started it out because to right. get content moving. Right. Two podcasts a week for a whole year. That's a lot. Year and a half. And I mean, you know, there's other there's other nuances. Like if you if you had it to do over again right now, you're running the business, you're doing the podcast, 
if you had it to do over again and you get dropped back in time to when everything was working, what would you have done different? I would have made a decision to walk away from that business. Yeah. Right. That's what I would have done. Yeah. Before it um, burned. Cause, right. cause there was other business opportunities that I had that I have since taken, um, that aligned with the people who I yeah. am actually meant to be aligned with. Uh, I was never meant to be aligned with him. Right. First of all, he was an atheist and you're not supposed to be unevenly yoked as a Christian in any regard. And I chose to be unevenly yoked thought that, eh, well, what's the difference? Yeah. It's business. You know I mean, it's he's different. still a good guy. It's yeah. business. It's different. It is not different. You know, uh, the Bible is very clear. You can't be unevenly yoked. You're not meant to be tied to non-believers. Um, you can guide them to Christ, but you are not meant to be tied to them, whether it be business or marriage or other. Uh, so it was destined to fail, hmm. I think. So to have seen so, it coming and gotten out earlier. And I, I think there was an element of me who probably knew that. I mean, you know how you know these things are coming yeah. and you decide to ignore yeah, them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like and when you like, put up with a girl for too long. You put up with a girl for too long because she's pretty, but you're like, I know this is not wife material, but you keep hoping maybe it's going to somehow turn around. No one yeah. is going well, to. Well, there's such a difference between pretty and wife material because in 2023, there's more pretty ones than not. Hope you young men out there are listening. There's yeah. a difference between just hot or wife material. In fact, I mean, good God, the, the relationship culture and the female mind, not that the male mind is any better. It is so beta and just almost pathetic in general. I'm so thankful not to be in the dating market. Oh, dude. But against these young guys, I would clean up because these guys are scared of their own shadows. <laughs> you Shut know up. I mean? Shut up. You sound like that old guy. It's like, if I was a kid again, I'm I, I am what. that old guy. Once you have a three in front of it. But truly, there's some what young about, guys here, and they're like, oh, that girl's pretty, and I can't talk to her. I was like, well, why? Why? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. wife would kill me. People are people. That, but what, I mean. uh, what, okay, so with the gauge, things start to go awry with the business. What happens with the gauge? Well, so things went awry with the business. Basically, it was a hostile thing, um, very hostile. But I decided to walk away. Um, funny thing was, is I had moved from Dallas-Fort Worth to Austin to expand that business. So we just got this ridiculous home, home that we didn't need in Austin. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous, you know, material shit. Uh, got all that, got that place set up. We're getting everything set up there and was traveling back and forth. Um, within like a, less than a month of setting that up in Austin, he he was calling for a termination of the business partnership. I was like, what the f Let's move to Austin right. and expand this thing. I was just, the last time I was there, you were still living in Austin doing that, yep. driving back up. Uh, you drove back up to Fort Worth for the episode. I did, yeah. It was right. I, last time I was there, it was right in the middle of that. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it was. I Actually, you're right. Um, so the business terminated. I was like, holy crap, what am I going to do? Uh, this has been my whole life. And, you know. There was an opportunity and a long-term plan. It was another thing. I ex I laid all my cards out on the table with this guy yeah. because my long-term goal was to move to Florida no matter what. Oh, so really? I wanted, yeah. That's where I wanted to be because that's where the ranch is. Yeah. And all the horses are and uh, the business that I'm now involved in was there and there was an opportunity for me there. I hate having to admit when I'm stupid, but I'm stupid. I had no idea. Listen to this. I had no idea what a pole barn was. I thought I did. And maybe you think you do. You know, I thought of it as this big shed with wood structure and, and you know, maybe the tin goes halfway down or, you know, just just sort of a, something you'd see a tractor or a four-wheeler park below under with a stack of hay. But I grew up in Texas, and so you don't build anything out of wood. Everything's pipe. So um, when I met Dan Scarborough and he said he was building pole buildings, instantly, instantly, this is the stupid part. I'm like, oh, a guy who throws up some little sheds. Go to, do me a favor, you go see how stupid I am. Go to roperbuildings.com and check out the gallery of what a pole barn actually is. 
This can be anything from a barn dominium. It can be a shed, but it can be a horse barn. It can be anything that you want to protect from the elements and no wood exposed to the sun. So, you know, my question was, what about here in Arizona? There were so many questions I had no clue. I had no clue what they were capable of. And Roper Buildings is not, no, I hope this is okay to say, Dan, it's not some mom and pop thing. Like this is one of the most premier building companies in the Western um, United States and has been for over two decades. You can check them out. Not only are they in central and southern Utah, they're in northern Utah, Idaho, Nevada, and now coming to Arizona. Uh, Dustin Searcy, who you met on the podcast, is going to be helping run things down here under under Dan. Wait until you see what's possible. They are engineered. They can be customized any way that you want it. You can build it the way that you want it. And you're dealing with people who have had decades of success in getting this right. So roperbuildings.com, check them out. And while you're there, check on the gallery and look at all that they're able to do. You guys, times are changing. We have got technology available to you. When you get to Arizona, you can find your roping. You can find the date. You can find the location. You can even search the website by what jackpot number team roping you're looking for. Ropingcalendar.com. It is a subscription base. You go, well, so is the magazine, dude. Like you can buy a magazine or you can buy the website. So it's not like there's a free option anymore. Ropingcalendar.com, the difference being you can look for only what you want to find instead of looking through all the other ads that you didn't want to find. So if you think about it, if your time's worth anything, we're paying you back. So check it out, ropingcalendar.com. So Florida Florida was, like, that was part of the plan all along. I didn't, I didn't realize you had ever thought about going back. Oh, 100%. It's where I wanted to be. You know, I had, a, I had it all planned out. It's all mapped out in my head, and none of it worked out. Okay, so if so, it had gone, if it had a God and Courtney plan, the business is doing good. You open the one in Austin, you buy the house in Austin. Was your plan to move the gauge to Austin with you, or was it just to? No, nope, I was going to leave it in Fort Worth. That's a, that's an easy travel. Uh, I had thought about moving it to Austin, but I really wanted to make sure that the employees in Fort Worth uh, didn't have to quit. Yeah. Um, which in hindsight, I should that should not have been a consideration at all. Um, I should have not been considering the that in those situations and i'll get to that but uh no i always wanted to go to florida and again i i was so open about my plans with this business partner i said hey there's an opportunity for me in florida i have to go and see that through um but i want you to be a part of it too and so what all i was doing by exposing all my plans to him being so open about what i was doing with the gauge is just sowing the seeds of uh bitterness yeah um and what i didn't realize is how much bitterness he had towards me and how much he didn't trust me, um, which was funny in hindsight because he did many, many things that were completely and totally unethical, dishonest. You know, I mean, dude, have you he, ever, he made have some you ever, mistakes that yeah. we lost. We got into a legal battle over some property in Fort Worth and uh, we were in between. We got into a legal battle to go into our main facility, had to leave it because the DOT had to seize it because the what? people who owned it tore up a driveway and they shut this place down for like six months because oh, no. they didn't pull permits. The people we were getting the property from, they did their own demo work on a road uh, on 377. No Fort, way. In Fort Worth. They demoed the freaking road. For people that don't know, tell people how big 377 is. Freaking huge. Main highway. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean like 40,000 cars, 50,000 cars a day. But, um, so we had to leave this property. Couldn't find anywhere to lease. So I found a storage yard for all of our stuff. And for six and a half months, I moved my staff into the Gage Podcast studio. Well, have you ever heard the saying that every accusation is a confession? 
Oh, of course. Yeah, you, know, you look back and you're like, oh, you were being shady. You didn't trust me because you were being shady, not because you thought I was being shady. Oh, it is. And greed is, is yeah, which we've all struggled with greed probably, but I mean, greed is really what it comes down to yeah. more than anything. Um, Sorry, but, I'm getting distracted. So the business the business goes south. The podcast is still up and running at this podcast point. podcast is still up and running, but I mean, I packed our up and I'm like, we're going straight to Florida, baby. Within within two days of all this happening, I was on a plane to Southwest Florida. Soldier place in moving. Austin? No, I mean, we, I mean, we we had that. We just barely got rid of that. Oh, really? It was a nightmare, a uh, huge nightmare. But uh, as things are, when you acquire a property, whether you're leasing it or you're buying it, <laughs> yeah. you can't just get you're out stuck of it. to it. Yeah, you're that's stuck right. to it. Um, so no, that sucked. It so, cost a lot of money to get out. So of it, by but. going to Florida, you were saying pause to everything podcast related? No. No, um, I traveled back to do episodes all the way through basically from August to December. No so what I way. did is I flew from Florida because the staff was there. I was like, I can't, I can't let these guys lose their right, jobs right, right. because I have personal going on. And I was very open with them all about what happened. I'm being kind of vague, but I mean, it was, yeah, but, uh, I was very open and transparent and crushed. I mean, it was my life's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like in a, a very short period of time. Person. Yeah. Everything got just smashed because I was like, well, I mean, there's nothing for me here. I'm not going to start doing something here in Austin because why? Right. The reason I moved here was to expand this business, you know, because I wanted to be a baller. I wanted this business. I wanted the podcast. I wanted the business that I was going to get into in Florida. And I wanted it all to fund itself and just be right. Right. badass. Renaissance man. Well, absolutely. And I always have been that, un- unfortunately, which is not great. Just want to be Master involved in all that, yeah. Is what they say, uh, which is not a great quality probably. Maybe it is. I don't, <laughs> I don't really freaking know. But um, so, yeah, I mean, I hopped in. My wife and our kids, because he was in school, they stayed in Austin for a while, and I just was going back and forth. Um, the plan was to move the podcast to Florida. How does that at work? Some point, How does that work? Because like in Fort Worth, it makes sense because everybody's there, right? The reason it works in Wickenburg is because everybody's in Wickenburg at some point, right? Yeah, it's meet, the same You thing. get to meet everybody there at some point. You same. go to Florida. How does a podcast in Florida work? It's going to be tough. That's where it's coming back to is when you're there in Florida. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's going to be guests flown in. It's going to be less content or less frequency of episodes, but more content mm-hmm. because these people will be flying out. They'll be staying at the ranch. We have a casita type thing for those who are in Arizona. Yeah. At the ranch. You know, it'll be more of an experience. It won't just be in and out. Right. So we'll have more content. We'll do longer form stuff. I don't really have it all worked out in my head. It's going to be fine though. Yeah. You know, people like destination. Mm-hmm. They like, you know, there's a lot that can be done. So we'll see how it goes. But to, to So what was of, the what was the decision that said, okay, it's time to pause? I'm about to tell you. Yeah, because we we had the studio and I mean I was gonna just keep coming back. The nice thing is, is I could come down for three or four days and record two months worth of content. Right, right. You know, right. I could shoot just organize all your guys to be there three yeah, days. Right. Uh, which is what I was doing. It was working great. It really wasn't that invasive for me to do it. It wasn't bad. Yeah. Because uh, I just well, and you're right by the airport. Yeah. How far are you from the airport in Florida? Forty minutes. Yeah. So I mean, that's not. I mean, people think Florida, Texas. It is a commute. Don't get me wrong. It is a commute. But when you're close to both airports, it makes it easier. It's not bad. You know, you're talking a two-hour flight. It's just like flying anywhere. I mean, yeah. shit. You flew in for the first episode. You came on ours from. Yeah. Where was that? Oregon. Uh, I was in Texas. I was coming to Texas. I we were running that arena, so I was there. I think I was there anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. Anyway, so so it's going to commute. It's going to be fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's, Everything's fine. fine. Look away. So Everything's fine. We shot a bunch of episodes. We were going to do Clinton Anderson 3. 
Okay. We had we have a Clinton Anderson episode number three. It's in, in the our can. Google Drive. Yeah. It got white girl crazy. Okay. The episode got crazy. He let all inhibitions go. I did too. It was it's probably the greatest single greatest podcast we've probably done for pure just shock and shock and awe. Okay. Well, well, he offended the staff so badly that they demanded that. And Clinton's one of my closest friends. Right. Um, so I would have never, and his time is very valuable. Um, and I had been a guest on his podcast, uh, his first guest, which he didn't end up releasing because all this happened and everything I talked about ended up. So I did Clinton Anderson's first episode last year. Okay. This happened like a week, two weeks later where everything kind of fell apart. So everything I had talked about on his show would have made no freaking sense. Oh, I see. Cause it was not relevant anymore. So I have to do it again. But okay. I haven't cause I wanted to announce that the gauge was coming back on yours and his cause Heck yeah. y'all two might be the biggest ones going probably. I don't, I don't really know. I have to assume though that it's probably I, you. I, I, I would love if that was true. Hope it's yeah. true. Yeah, I just assume. Yeah, I don't. I really. So many people have decided they're doing podcasts now. Yeah, I truly don't know who's. Dude, doing I'm telling it's everybody. You, I, I told everybody somebody thinks it's their retirement plan. Maybe I don't know what they think. Well, I told somebody today that I was coming over here to do this, and that you were coming back, and they're like, they just, they weren't being ugly at all. They're like, is that like normal? Because like I'm a podcast. Is that is that competition? I'm like, I love this. Is what I love about podcasts, it's a fraternity. I yeah. would say, and I'm guessing, but I'm going to say 20% of the people in the industry listen to podcasts. Maybe the more podcasts we have, the better it is for all of us because the more people start listening to podcasts, the better it is for the, for the business. Right. I also would say in other cases, not yours. In other cases, I like even bad podcasts because if you don't have something to compare to, you don't know what good is. You don't know what bad is. It needs all of them. It literally, it needs every, everybody that wants to do a podcast. I would say 1000% do it. And if I can help you, I will, because it's good for the industry to have more oh, people. Absolutely. I mean, every, pretty much anybody who's wanted to start a podcast has called me at some point. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Um, at the time it probably made sense now, maybe not so much. And I mean, I, I wonder, does coming back after a hiatus matter? Actually, it doesn't because of maintaining the channels and the subscribers. They're already right. there. Right. They're yeah, I mean, it's just picking up where you left there. off. Just pick up where you left off. I had a feeling would me coming back big would probably worry some of the people who have started theirs. Like, if it's going to negatively affect them, I don't know how people's mindsets are. I don't think that. I like. I want everybody to eat. I have a theory. I think it's awesome. I have a theory on that. And I, I want to say this carefully because it's not like I have people in mind individually and I don't mean to pick on anybody, but there are people in this industry that have to be in the spotlight. So even when they do a podcast, they're always trying to like, instead of being the spotlight on their guest, they're always trying to crawl into the spotlight and be the story, right? hundred percent. Those people are probably very competitive of like, we, no, just my, I, I'm doing a podcast and like if, if the gauge comes back, then that's going to hurt my numbers. Well, that that person honestly is probably already doomed because that makes for terrible content. It's I've a terrible. I've seen a few of these new shows, and unfortunately, I know exactly which ones you're talking about. And, and it's not. They're it's, not. It's not doing to it be. For the right reason. Well, and it's yeah. And it, it, that's it. That's all it is. If a podcast is done well, like people are going to get to know me a little bit just over a collection of podcasts. But that's not the focus. The focus is who's here that day. How do you get to know them the best? How, how could anybody negatively affect that? It has to be guest centered. And that's why like a Joe Rogan has been so successful or, or some of these other big podcasts that just 
dwarf anything we do. Um, but it has to be about the guests. And unfortunately, some of the people who start these podcasts, I'm not saying it because I, I will be truthful. I haven't listened to any, I haven't listened to a single episode of somebody's podcast other than you and Clinton because you guys are actually my friends and my people. Yeah. So I, I want to see you guys succeed. I don't know these other people personally who right. started them. Um, I know one of the guys, but I don't know if it's any good or not. But uh, it people, and I think one of my things is I talked about how lucrative it was, and I think that got people thinking that it could be a career for them. Well, and that's the other trap, right? Like if you have to be seen, if you have to be heard, you're not going to do a very good job on the podcast. Second of all, if you're doing it because it's going to be an income. Uh, it can't be. Okay. I never pulled one cent out of it, like for personal living. Yeah. The gauge ever. It all just went back in because it was just so expensive to do it the way we did it. But it'll be interesting to see it. I know some of these people... They're never going to, you or me, think that we should be doing anything that they're doing. That's, I guess that's what I'm saying. You they're know, always going to think they're more profound or more deserving of something than, say, a Chance Conrado or a Jordan Weaver because we don't have a gold buckle. Well, and I, I think that's a really poor premise. And this, I'm not thinking of anybody individually. This is just in general. I think past achievement is a really poor premise for a podcast. Right. It can be. I you mean, know, if somebody, if somebody's just be, going but to like, make, look at, look at, uh, look at Mike Tyson's podcast. It's super successful. But okay, okay. But, but it's guest centered. So but, he was a top of the world man. He's not like the most brilliant interviewer, but it's always about the guests. It's always like about healing and like you know he has his nuggets because his life was so extraordinary. So if you have somebody like that, yeah, they well, can not, do it amazing. And I'm not saying that achievement is a negative. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying it's a terrible premise, which is that you're going to build a whole podcast based on what you've done in your life. That's a hard podcast for me to listen to because it always has to be referenced instead of what the guest is talking about. Unfortunately, I haven't listened to them, so I don't even know if that is being done or not, or if that's just hyperbole. Yeah, it's in this case hyperbole. But so I, I think I guess I guess to say this, it would be like if I'm making team roping horses and somebody's like, "Hey, man, I think I'm gonna start training barrel horses." Yeah, still rodeo horses, but they're not gonna be the same. Like this, it I, does not to me. It does not register as competition. It's not. It, in fact, if somebody wants to start a podcast and they're interesting to talk to, I will be the first person to ask them to come on. Like I want good content out there because even if we, even if we interview the same people and in, in our case we have, you get to see different parts of someone's personality based on how the conversation goes. And I enjoy that. I really do like that. Yeah. So, so the competitive deal, I just, I don't know if I can get there. I mean, I certainly can't. I'm, I'm such a stay in my lane kind of thing. It's like, when Clinton Anderson called me and said, can you help me set up a podcast? I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I think you'll have a absolutely. great podcast. Yeah. I think you might be able to reach, you know, access people that I couldn't. Oh, for sure. Um, and I've helped him get guests on, I help him get Fallon on. I mean, anybody I can help with anything. It's great. Yeah. I, the problem is, is what I've learned is sometimes you don't get that back. People aren't going to, in our industry, it's very incestuous, unfortunately. And, uh, once you've got the name, people will help you. But before, they just won't. Uh, what do you... So the staff gets upset. Yeah, we kind of got off track. That was some ADD it happens. on my it happens. part. Keep it going. does. So um, the staff's upset. So, the, so we do Clinton Anderson 3, which is just ranker than rank. Um, and he said some crap to our marketing director girl that we had at that time. And he also said some... I mean, I 
probably say it. I mean, it's pretty wrong. You don't have, yeah, it's fine. You're good. Yeah. You don't have the, I noticed you don't have the E for explicit on your podcast. Are you sure? Yeah. No, you don't have to say it. No, you don't have to say it. You can just give it back. Just give it good. Good. Just give a general over. Anyway, let's just say he said, now he was totally joking and it was very kind spirited. Like it was all, all ha ha, but it was, but it didn't land that way. It was so red pilled. Yeah. Right. That it just, it, that was it. Broke her mentally. And then he said something to our producer. His name was Ty at that time. I remember Ty. Ty turned out to be a gay man. Who knew? Uh, I think I knew. But, you know, he was. Well, you knew, too. I feel like we knew, but we knew, we knew he was, but he had really bad hygiene. So I was like, eh, sometimes they're you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, there's some gay guys in the barrel, he barrel was, horse industry. He was so nice, though. He was like. Top of the line, polite. When I was in, every like, gay dude is nice. He and he was. He was. Draw, he was. He's draw a line. Well, then they're not so nice. I didn't have that experience with him. All the only times I was around him, he was awesome. No, he was. He was a very skilled producer, but he was extremely like like borderline anarchist liberal. Yeah, um, and so he hated the red my religious stance and my political stance and the guests that I had on that were represented that because you. I mean, anybody listening to the gauge, like it was no secret that was totally conservative, right. obviously. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, uh, it's the freaking Western industry. But it just kept getting worse, kept getting worse. And unfortunately, Clinton made a gay joke. Mm. But he didn't know he was gay. But he did. He said he said him to the tune of, you know, are we sleeping together? No, if not, shut your woman mouth to die. Oh. Yeah. It was just joking. It was so really hard. Knowing, knowing that he's gay, I can understand why it'd be upsetting. But if yeah. you didn't know, but like, I mean, what? so I he offended him. I was joking. Yeah. So, but they already knew we had done two episodes with Clinton and that girl had known Clinton yeah. from the cow horse industry her whole life. Yeah. In fact, that's how I met him was through her parents. It was so weird. But, uh, so I go to my Airbnb the next morning and they're already fringy and feeling weird cause I'm living in Florida and they probably, you know, yeah, everybody's kind of got like, their, oh, are we yep. going to get fired or is this right. shutting down? So they probably didn't think about that. But, uh, I get to the, get to the studio the next morning cause we got to do three, four more episodes that day. And they're like, we got to talk. And I'm like. It's like Ron Burgundy when he gets done with his broadcast. Just I like said, go F yourself, San Diego. He's like, do, do, do. How's everyone doing? And they're all like, oh, just dude, upset. A hundred percent. I walk in, I'm like, <laughs> I have my coffee. I'm like, oh, wow, I really slept good in that Airbnb. Wow. I'm starting to catch my stride again after the most chaos of my life. Yeah. I was What's up, bro- gang? was broken. Hi, guys. Oh, hi. Oh, yeah. Okay. We got to talk to you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, about Let's what? talk. It's great. They're like, but Clinton Anderson this, Clinton Anderson yeah. that. We just that was so offensive to women. That was so offensive to gay people. I'm like women and gay people. Shit, we got them both. We got them both. We're this is done. <laughs> basically, I mean, in any other world, if you offend women and gay people at the same time, it's done. Did they? Did they tell you like at that point? Like we're no. So they got it. Got so stupid. But basically, I was given an ultimatum by our employees. And they called my business partner in Florida. I'm like, oh, I don't think Chance is going to do the right thing. And uh, I just felt abandoned. Anyway, luckily, I got to see all the text messages that they had sent Dustin. Or, and it was just like a Chance hate fest. And this girl, she was like, and I won't say her name, but she was like, and I only know this because she sold up, wouldn't tell me a thing. But, you know, unfortunately, she told them. And of course, they told me they're my people. Right. Um, that I didn't defend her. And, like, I should have stood up for her. I was like, I'm not freaking married to you. I ain't your husband. I'm not standing up for well, you. Well, and like in the moment, yeah. I didn't even know when I was drinking too. I didn't even know it was offensive. To your, been on to there. your defense, and I wasn't there, so I don't know what was said, but there are times when you feel like the room is going a certain way and you say things maybe that you wouldn't say, or like you say things behind closed doors. It feels, it's not behind closed doors, but it kind of feels like it is. 
that you just feel like you're safe to kind of just joke around that everybody knows you're joking. And then if somebody well, were to take that out of context, with a guest like that. Well, yeah. And if, and if somebody were to take it singularly out of context and then they repeat it back to you, you're like, man, it just sounds so much worse out of context. I didn't mean it that way, but like I've had, like in my life, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had to apologize. Cause like you get to talking and joking and then, you know, somebody gets their feelings hurt. And I've just gotten to the point where I'm like, I, I'm not even going to fight. Like, I'm sorry. I, that's not how I meant it. I apologize. Like, it, oh, it just I, dude, sucks. I have to do that with my wife every day. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad thing to be able to do, but, like, it sucks when it's like, I really, I swear, I thought you guys were kind of in on it. I thought you guys understood that we were joking, and if you didn't. Oh, I could have handled it better because I was like, whoa, whoa, wait. First of all, you want me to insult somebody like Clint Anderson who came on this show for a third time, had me on his show, and say, we're not releasing this episode because your joke didn't land? Mm. No. Yeah. You know what I mean? That sucks. I could have handled it differently, probably. I find it comical now. Because yeah. I've listened to it again. I even let Clinton listen to it. I was like, and I was like, it really wasn't that bad. It just it just triggered something in both of them. And long story short, it went on for a little while, and there were some ultimatums, and then they quit, and it was like, all right, whatever. Which, what was what Shut was it down, bad. push pause. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. That's what we did. And uh, well, was, there, I just, was there a thought that you like would announce that? Because I know that just went away. And I was like, uh, I announced it on social media. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. I probably, well, I didn't have a pot. I don't know how to do what you just did. Well, turn that I can, on. I can walk you through it. <laughs> yeah, I bet it's easy, but it's like, it's like this thing that it's a story I live by. It's like, I don't know how to turn the microphone on. Right. So you right. You that. got a guy, I got a guy for that. Yeah. Well, it's not even that. It's just like, I actually don't know how. Right. right and it right. seems so insurmountable. It's like, what if I screw it up? I don't know how to edit. I remember that. No, no, no. I, I, I still don't edit, but like, I remember Jacob walking me through this first time I was going to go outside the studio and it wasn't all set up and just how intimidating it was. Yeah. But, all lights. but then when you learn it, you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess, I guess that's doable. But yeah, it's the editing part. I could probably turn that on, but there's no freaking way I'm going to be able to edit. Yeah. No. I'm, not, I'm not that guy, but anyway. I really wanted to focus on the horses and I had to figure out the new industry I was in and, and then figure out Are what you to talking do. about the new industry that you're in? Am I? What do you mean? Well, are you, you're talking to the new industry just being horses. No, so there's a new industry that I'm in and there's also horses. Okay, that's what I thought you that's yeah. what I thought you were saying. Are you talking about the new industry? Is that It's nothing overly exciting. I mean, it's it's uh it's the swimming pool building industry. So Go I, ahead. Yeah. I, I, I you say that like I would know anything about it. I'm so curious. No, what not at all. It's it's just, it's not what I would call entertaining. It's boring, but it's my life. It's super boring. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not boring. We do cool shit, but yeah. you know what I mean? This is not a podcast for that, you know? Yeah. I, and, and I talked about my other Well, this is, listen, times, no, but, I disagree. This is a podcast about you. You did podcasts about everybody else. This is all about you. So that's, if that's part of your story, I'm not saying it to be cheesy. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I would love to, like, how did that so it was an opportunity that came to me because my business partner, Dustin, he owns uh, the second largest swimming pool building company in the entire country. What's it called? Uh, Coast to Coast Pools. Oh, I feel like I've heard of that. It's big. Yeah. yeah it's really big. But, um, and it, you know, it's kind of a family business for me for all intents and purposes. But about three, four years ago, he asked me to come on board and, you know, work into being the CEO of that company. Really? Uh, yeah. And that was one of those things like, wow, this is way bigger than the industry I'm in. I told that business partner that. So there's the gauge and uh, also that. And yeah. it was like, holy, yeah. I really set myself up for yeah, exactly Mike, what Mike, happened. Mike should have kept that card in your pocket. Mike should have not <laughs> been so transparent. But, you know, I'm like, I think the best way to be is just be honorable. <laughs> you know what? It is. Even if it costs you, I'll tell you this. Even if it costs you on that one, 
It's still the right way to I do it. I just, because I thought that dude was my absolute best friend. And I bet a lot of people can relate, especially a lot of you girls out there, because girls is crazy. Easy, you're going to piss off all the women again. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's like women do friends different than dudes do friends. Right. Right? It's always different. Like, I've watched my sisters or my wife, like, have friends, and you're like, they were the best of friends for seven hours, and now they hate each other. Uh, so it's just women friends is different. At least guys, like, yeah, I think... Okay. All right. So I'll, I'll say this. I've had this conversation with employees in the past where they weren't doing well and you have that kind of like that uncomfortable conversation and they would say that it was something about the way I was leading. And here's always my, here's always my statement. It's usually from younger people who have and no offense to the younger generation at all. I don't want to be that old guy, but you know, it's like, whatever I do must be right. So if it's not working, it must be on someone else. Right. Mm-hmm. And here's what I always said, like, I'm going to be the person that I am. And if that works, that's awesome. If it doesn't work, then you need to go find somebody that can be that kind of boss. But I cannot change my style for every single, like personalities, yes. But if I have to be a completely different boss to every single different person, there's not enough of me to do that, right? Same with friends. I know the kind of friend I want to be. I hope when I die, when I, at my funeral, I hope they can say that the people who knew me the best, loved me the most, and that I was a generous person. That's what I want. I want those two things to be said about me. So those are the kind of friends I'm going to have, right? So if I say- Can I pause you for a second? Please. You know how much different you look since you lost weight? Shut up, Chance. You look like a fucking totally different guy. Okay, all right. Why is that so offensive? That was a compliment, by the way. Well, here's the thing. I I weighed myself the other day. I was like, all right, I got to start eating more. I've been working nights and not eating very good. It's like a thing. I got to actually start gaining weight. So you look totally different. It's not a bad thing. Well, <laughs> well thanks. Like you're so you're so easily offended. Good I, God. I'm, yeah, I'm like the woman you're talking about. Um, but no, I, those are the kind of friends I have to have. To be that kind of person, I can't have divisive friendships for business. I can't be this kind of friend to that guy and this kind of friend to that guy. Like, I have to be who I am, right? And if that doesn't work and if it blows up in my face and if it costs me in the end, I would rather live with the fallout of that than living constantly as, as someone I'm not. So what I would say, I guess, is if it costs you the business and the business partnership, that's still not as bad as living a life, not yourself. hundred percent. And I'm, I, I am with my people who will my good and I will their good. And there's no ulterior motives and we can be, I mean, it's, it's different because you got big personalities and we fight, but when you're with people who are on the same mission, I could go nerdy. I could go super nerdy. I could tell you that Unbeatable's new Forge Only Blend is a no grain included, yet high energy, low sugar, easily digestible, fermentable fiber. I could tell you it's clean and natural. Three simple high powered ingredients, alfalfa, beet pulp, and flaxseed oil. I could go on to tell you that it can replace corn or other grain-based equine feeds at effective cost. Alfalfa, beet pulp, flaxseed oil, which has omega-3. Adds cool burning fuel while supporting healthy skin coat. I could tell you all those things, but here's what I'm gonna tell you. Yes, it's an 11 by 64th in diameter pellet. I can tell you, you don't have to water it. I can tell you all those things. Here's what I'm gonna tell you instead. The new feed by Unbeatable Feed, yes, they still have the shreds. Yes, they still have the beet pulp pellets, but they also have added a forge only feed. Here's what I want you to know. Every one of their endorses that they've sent uh, uh, samples to has come back and ordered more of it. There are people that are giving up endorsements. You ready for this? There are people that are giving up endorsements to feed this feed. It is blowing the doors off. But here's the coolest part. I can now tell you that it's carried in all the places that you wanted it to be carried. I could give you the list. Um, But here's the one I'm going to focus on today. You can now find unbeatable feeds. Ready for this? I wish I could do a drum roll with my mouth. 
at NRS. That's correct. NRS is now carrying unbeatable feeds. You can go in and check them out. They get a quinity there. You can get classic products there. You can get your Equibrand. You can get all your stuff at NRS, but you can now go buy unbeatable feeds at NRS in all of their locations. All of the NRS locations now carry it. Um, like I said, imagine that there's people giving up endorsements to come feed this feed because they're seeing those kinds of results in their horses. I feed it to my roping cattle. I've never had fatter, slicker, healthier roping cattle. They don't look like roping cattle anymore. They look, they look like little Mexican show steers with horns. So, and, and, and you only have to feed a pound and a half a day to your steers. I, I, I could go on and on. Let me just tell you, unbeatable feeds, go check them out. Find them at NRS. They are making it happen and doing big things. We live in one of the hottest real estate markets in the Western industry here in Wickenburg. It can be confusing. I know that people from out of town go, okay, where does everything happen? What's in the middle of things? What's the dark side of the moon? Let me tell you, Erin Freeman, she's not only a friend, she is an absolute professional in the real estate industry. You can find her at Erin Freeman Properties on Facebook. You can check her out at erinfreeman.realtor on Instagram and TikTok. Here's what I like about Erin. She is from a team roping family. She understands that when you call and say you're looking for arena, you don't mean a riding pin. When you say I'm looking for something with stalls, it doesn't mean four panels chained together. She understands the industry, but she also understands the, the, the lifestyle. One of the things I'll say about Erin, like I said, not only is she great, I don't know if she'd want me saying this, she also kind of keeps her finger on the rental industry too. So if you're looking for a rental, maybe not officially, but I can tell you she knows where it's at. She's also brutally honest. She will tell you exactly what's happening in the industry. If you're too high, if you're too low, if what you're looking for is achievable, if she has in her inventory what you're looking for, you will get an honest assessment from somebody who not only understands what you're looking for, but where to find it. Check her out, Aaron Freeman. There's no ulterior motives and we can be, I mean, it's, it's different because you got big personalities and we fight, but when you're with people who are on the same mission as you, yeah. And you don't have to deal with the weird, like, tug of war of independent selfishness. Yeah. It's different. It's just there's, different. There's nothing worse than always feeling like you got to watch your background, people. I hate that. Well, and, and I'll say this about people who don't believe in God. It's not always the case. But if you don't believe in Jesus, you're, you're, you're and I'm a rough dude, but so are the freaking apostles, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty rough around the edges, but... I fully believe in Jesus Christ, what he did for me, for, for all of us. Right. And I know I, I didn't get overly religious on the gauge. Actually, I probably did. There were times. I think you there did There were times where times, I did yeah. with, with different people, but I can't express it enough. You, you, you have to openly express your belief in, in God, and you have to put that out into the world. And for years, I did not. In fact, I started going the other way because I was getting so influenced by this guy. Yeah. Um, and that I'm so grateful to not be attached to that. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, again, again, it's a hard thing for a young person. You know, if you're in business with a guy at 24, like you can't really be that hard on yourself. You're still trying to figure out who you are, right? You're still well, living. It's tough to lead when you're young and when everybody's older than you, including your employees. So oh, it's a very weird thing. That's exactly right. So, I mean, life experience in the end, you know, the way up is always down or the, you know, like the whole philosophy thing, but for you, what felt like going down has to felt like the thing that freed you up now moving forward to go better educated, better equipped, better experienced, clear on what you do and don't do, you know, lessons that you've learned maybe the hard way, but now everything you're taking from that experience as bad as that was, is going to go that much better now having learned it. Than oh God. It's like, it's like taking off a, a 50 pound vest and you just breathe. Yeah. You know, my number one thing that I struggled with was 
anxiety about leveraging the gauge over that business. You know, I felt constantly felt guilty for, for doing the gauge, which was my actual passion. Yeah. I felt like it made a huge difference. I would get just letters upon letters from people about what it was doing for them, how much they appreciated it. And that's just not something you get from a retail no. for profit business. Well, you just don't. It's a, like for a communicator, it's an outlet too. You know I mean? It's like, I, I live in a communication space in my life, whether I'm communicating with a three-year-old horse that I'm trying to teach something to, or whether I'm doing a podcast with somebody like I love, I love what communication offers to the world. Yeah. Not the art of doing communication. It's not something from a performance standpoint. I truly love bringing ideas out in a way that's easy to understand. Right. And I would, I would imagine that's got to feel like a little bit of a deficit in your life right now. Not having that. You know what it does, but at the same time, my number one passion probably above everything is training horses. Yeah. Interesting. It is. That is my soul fulfilling purpose. Yeah. Um, and I've struggled with it a lot because I always roped calves and, and team rope, but I never felt connected to those horses. I grew up with bear horse trainers, right? I am so connected to an athletic barrel horse, right? But I never wanted to mess with them. Cause I'm like for gay guys, right? It's not force masculine men to be playing with barrel horses. Right. You're not allowed to, or right. you shouldn't. Um, and I like, it's not like I want to go barrel race, but I love taking a two year old mm-hmm. and get them to the point where they can do that. It, it's just cathartic and freeing and feels like my soul is full when I get to train our, and there are horses. Dude, like, how real is that though? Cause you had to overcome some stuff of like, how's this going to look or how's this going to be perceived in the world and oh, to get over all that. I don't that, even know if people even really realize that I train barrel horses, you know what I well, mean? Well, I'm I saying, I'm not even know. saying for them. I'm saying for yourself yeah. because you're getting to actually enjoy it because now your focus isn't how it looks or how it's going to be perceived. It's something. Well, it's just doing. always been so weird to me. I don't mean to go down this rabbit hole, but I just have never understood why or when it happened or how, just cause I grew up with it. Like we lived in North Carolina on the East coast and there's some ranchy rank, you know, motherfuckers were training barrel horses and dirty yeah. in the East coast. Right. I mean, they're cud spitting, right. hay bailing, right. sack grabbing dudes. And it's just different. But in Texas, it's, it's very, there's a, it's stigmatic. Thing. It's stigmatic for sure. Some stigma, which but is fine. I don't care. Like if I it's something care, you love doing, that's my point. If it's something you love, if somebody asked me that they go, okay, it's going better now. Right. Like I changed careers and went from, I mean, I guess a successful career, but to something basically starting over. Somebody asked yeah. me the other day, like, okay, it's starting, we're starting to get rolling again. How much longer do you think you're going to ride horses? And I'm like, I won't ever take a job where I can't do that. Even if I'm just riding my own, it is something I need for me. I need to be able to take that time every day and just like push the decompress button because now before it was what I was trying to use to be somebody in the world or I wanted to be able to be somebody in the world using that. Yep. That was never life giving because it was never enough. Like it was never going to be enough because how much is enough? How much fame, how much money, how much importance, how much is enough? Never enough. Right. When that part ended and I just did it because I just genuinely loved it, dude, I'm telling you, like, I'll, I'll never not do it. Well, I will tell you that is something not, it's, it's about every industry, but you, one of the most healing things for me moving to Florida is getting out of the Texas rat race. I, it, it is such a healing thing yeah. because you do like you get sucked in and there's so we know we all have so many friends who they aren't competing, but they are at every freaking rodeo because 
fear of missing out is a real thing. And, and getting to take those pictures and be a part of that, and I was never that person. In fact, I would actively not go just to avoid those things. Right. But it'd be a lie to not say that, gosh, damn, I really want some mainstream attention in the rodeo world. We right. all do. It's so bad for your spirit to do that. So here's, here's something I think is interesting because I grew up in Fort Worth, and I just, I, I mean, I've lived there my whole life. You got to live somewhere else to understand the culture. You can't just visit it, right? Mm-hmm. And as hard as living in Oregon was for me, because I felt so disconnected from all my people, right? One of the things I learned is that there is a community, a sense of community that exists other places that doesn't exist in Texas. And this is not a knock on Texas at all. It's still my home. My folks still live there. I still get to go back all the time. It's not designed to be a community. It's a marketplace. You go there to see if you've got what it takes, right? And that's great. The world needs that. Well, I mean, if you're serious and you want to, you want a rope, you need to go. You, you got to go. Steven, you got to go. Absolutely. Get your but, ass there. That's where you need to be. But it, you don't walk into a restaurant and go, Hey, you want to go to a movie after this? The waitress is like, dude, I just work here. I'm like, this is not, this is not personal. This is transactional. Right. Yep. And Texas has a real transactional feel as far as personal relationships or can, it can. That's one of the things. I, and I don't get me wrong. This is not a knock on Texas whatsoever. That's what I love about Arizona is like people are going to dinner afterwards or hanging out at each other's houses and like things I didn't really grow up experiencing that I'm getting to experience now. And I really like it. I really love it. And I, I think it would be hard for me to ever leave Arizona for that reason. Yeah. Texas is, it. I mean, I know there's people that make their living there and live there forever. I get that, but it's kind of a young man's game. Statistically speaking, more often than not, you go, you see if you got what it takes. How many guys do you know? Like they live there while they're rodeoing. As soon as they're done rodeoing, they move back home to wherever they're from. Yeah. But you have to have that. That's what, that's what makes, that's what makes Texas, the Fort Worth hub, Stephenville so good is that you can go get that. That's exactly right. It has to You have to have a place like that. You do. Otherwise, I mean, if you didn't have that, if you didn't have Fort Worth and, and, uh, and, and really basically that whole area, Weatherford down to Heiko, down to Stephenville. Yep. I mean, that's your center. I mean, you need to yeah. have it. Well, it's a proving ground, right? You, yeah, you built is. a car. But it's also a great community. Like, I know it, it probably feels a little disconnected, but I feel right at home if I go there. Well, and I'm glad you're clarifying. I'm not against it. It's not yeah. bad. It's just like I'm saying a young guy that moves to Texas and think he's going to make best friends. It's, it's not too, always guaranteed. It's too fast to do that. Though. Yeah. Like yeah it, it's not a slow moving place. Right. You know, if you're going there, you're not going there to make friends. You're going to the rope six nights a week. Right. Or go to, to go to the barrel because there's a jackpot you can go to every night. Like it's, it's not, it's not that. It's, and it might be, not. it might be an it's age thing. Fast. It, yeah. It might be an age thing. Cause like now raising my kids and like my son's in high school, believe it or not. And I enjoy, I enjoy not going to events. Yeah. To go to his things or going to their, like my daughter's volleyball games and things like that. Like that part of a slower pace, I've actually gotten to where I enjoy. So, uh, that would drive me nuts. That that would drive me nuts. 18, 19 years old. Like I, 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 Texas. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah, you're exactly right. But people do get stuck there long term, maybe. And, and I don't know this cause I'm not that person, but I could see how it could. A lot of people say they want to get out of Stephenville because of that. And because they want to go eat somewhere other than the Mexican restaurant and uh, Chili's, Chili's, yeah, Heart Eight or Heart Shout Eight, Heart Eight, and that's really it. I think there's Chick Fil A in Stephenville. Now, Come so. on, shout know. out Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A is good. So Florida, real quick, and I don't want to take the rest of your night, but no, uh, what's life like in Florida now? It's fantastic. It's the best, and I have less money than I've ever had. Um, but that's just one of those magnetic things you can attract. Yep. So who cares? Um, it's like a hammer. It's just a tool. Right. But 
it's so phenomenal um, for me, my mental health, the way that I live my life every day is how I w- would want to live it for the rest of my life, probably. Family's digging it? It was a tough adjustment. <laughs> really? My wife, yes. She kind of misses being out in the middle of the rat race of Texas? You know, she was she was a homebody. It was never it was she had friends. Oh right. Close friends, a good community, a good school. Um, everything was within five miles. You know, our business, our pod well, our she hated the podcast from for most of it. She did? You know what? She thought it was just an ego thing. You know how your wife, like, if everybody's your fan, some somehow your wife turns out to like be the one who tries to humble your ass. Oh, yeah, it's designed I, that way. I think that's how marriage was put together originally. I do think that. Um I hate I hate how well they see our blind spots because when they say something, you know they're right, and it hurts so bad because you're like, you can't, you can't let them have it either. No, you so can't admit immature. it. You're like, that's not true. Uh-uh. I know you are, but no, what am uh-uh. I? Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's always my fault. Oh yeah, well, what about this thing you did? The what about? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, what about that time? Yeah. I have this amazing tool for you that's going to shut you up. It's called gaslighting. <laughs> I will gaslight you until you cry to let my ego live, woman. She just thinks she'd get where she likes She's it. She's great now. She's great now, but she had a hard time for about seven months. What's the timeline on the return for the podcast? Uh, depends on. So funny story. We finally found our producer, the division one football player. Unbelievable. He was uh, doing video production at Disney. What? Yeah. He is so cool. A uh, D one so football player broke his shoulder or something. And he's awesome. doing he video had a great players. story. Well, yeah, but he, he got, he got injured. Well, yeah, but I, you wouldn't think that the things that make someone a great football player would run in the same creative vein as it does though. Yeah. Cause if you're creative, so cool. you, that discipline goes a long way. So yeah. disciplined. Um, but he got a movie gig and as soon as we got him hired within three weeks, he put in his notice and yeah. apologized profusely. So now I'm trying to find another producer. Yeah. Gotcha. So, but I'm being so picky. Yeah. I've interviewed dozens of people over the last three months. You know, I went on like TikTok and said, okay, it's coming back soon. Yeah. But we're just being so picky with the producer because I'm never going to be in a situation no, right. where somebody's pulling out content that they don't agree with. What about like the changes? Like what do you see when it comes back? How will it be different than what we saw? It's going to have to be different because it's in Florida. Sure. It's going to have to be It's going to have to be different. And I'm a totally different person. Yeah. I'm a less funny, which is a problem. You know, there's that, that there's that whole philosophy saying the same man never enters the same river because the man's not the same, the river's not the same. You know, like you can't ever go back, right? And I think it's fun for people listening to go, I don't know what happened, but maybe I, you know, hear a story here maybe, but um, to see what those changes are going to look like because they know what the gauge was before. So yeah. I think that I, I'm curious, like myself, I'm curious to see what the changes are and how it's going to look and how it's going to feel and well, it's going to look good. Yeah. It's always going to look still, vid- still video. Oh, uh, we're never not going to video. Yeah. That's our thing. We produce the video. We put it out there. People love it. More, more messages I've gotten from people just in general is how much they love being able to see it. Yeah. You yeah. know, but I mean, it's going to have to be different. I know who the first four or five guests are going to be. Um, any spoilers? No, I don't think I'll do a spoiler. <laughs> okay. I don't think I'll do spoilers on those, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's not, it can't be, it can't be every week. Right. It'll just be too hard to manage. Right. So. Is it all going to be in person? Is there going to be anything done from a remote? Always in person. Yeah. I take that. I have done some, if the guest is big enough, I will do remote to keep them from having to travel. Have you done one of those yet? Just one. Have, was it released? Yeah. Who it was, was it? It was a, couple of years ago. It's a guy named Alex Fine. He's a celebrity personal trainer out of LA. He uh, did all the 
training for the Outer Banks crew, like Chase Stokes oh, yeah. and all that. He runs with that crew, and his wife is the rapper Cassie. Oh. So he actually couldn't travel because it, yeah. was, it was during COVID. But he that's, has a really cool story, so I wanted to talk to him. That's one of the things we've really tried. Like, it doesn't have to be in the studio. I mean, that's more convenient, but it doesn't yeah. have to be in the studio, but it doesn't have to be in person because, like, we're sitting here talking to each other face-to-face, and, you know, like the nonverbal communication and stuff like that, you, you you can see when somebody almost says something and then doesn't, and you know to ask. And like, I feel like it'd be so hard. And then audio quality. It's hard for me to listen to a podcast. That's well, like a, a, a phone I haven't even toyed with like, do you mail a microphone to somebody? No, they're not going to mail it back. They're not going to know how to set it up. You know, most of the time they're talking into their phone. If you try to do something remote, it just sounds like dog shit. Yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard, so, it would be, it would be easier to get more famous guests that way. But it would be hard to protect the integrity of it, I think. Yeah, I mean, some of our big guests, it took a year to get them to commit and go through all the processes to be able to get, like, the governor on and stuff. I mean, you had to, we had to jump through a lot of hoops to make that happen. Yeah, I would imagine. But, but we also have some access to some really cool people in Florida, too. So, What kind of people, if, like, if you're thinking about the Florida crowd, like, who comes to mind? I'm not saying give us any names. Mainstream people, not rodeo people. Yeah. Are you, all, there's only a couple of rodeo people who even live in Florida. Are you thinking it'll be when you come back, it's not going to be rodeo centric. It's going to be like your friends, but then also like mainstream pet people from there. It's going to be rodeo people and mainstream. It's going to be just what it was as far as the guests are concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, but, it's been good to get caught up. Yeah. It feels like you've been gone forever and it's only it been does. since December. Like it does feel like forever. It actually, pretty, it really has not been fun not doing the show. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, no, I'm excited to see it come back. I'm excited to see the changes. And man, it's, it's crazy how much the landscape has changed. And like, dude, I don't know if me shutting it down for a little bit triggered all that. If people were going to do it anyway, I'm trying to figure it out. It's probably a little narcissistic, but or if people just saw the opportunity. Well, so ironically, last time I was on yours, I said, hey, I'm, I'm getting ready to start releasing a podcast. Yeah. Now here you are in mine saying, hey, the podcast coming back. It's like this symbiotic sort of thing we got going on. So yeah, it is. Maybe I need to announce my retirement on yours when you come back and then we can just go back and forth. <laughs> yeah, just create this vicious cycle. I don't know. I think it's so great to have it because, I mean, there's a great podcast culture in pretty much every industry. Yeah. I yeah. will tell you the, t- the tough part for people is going to be getting sponsorship because if you've got, you know, retired rodeo people coming up just because of the way sponsors work, yeah, they're going to think, they're not going to think, oh, hold on, is their show getting the most views? They're just going to be like, oh, I know him, Patch, okay, you get the deal. Right. You right. know, even if they don't get the most views, which is going to be interesting. You know what's crazy is like when we started, um, for people listening, if this helps, if they're going to start a podcast, they say it's five years before you're profitable. Like on a successful podcast, your average successful podcast, it's five years to profitability. And so oh, that's got to be true. And so like, don't expect to make money right away. But one of the things I was really fortunate on is that when we started, I told everybody, I, I want to talk to people that I genuinely want to talk to. And because I don't work for anybody else, I don't have anybody that's like demanding who comes on or who doesn't. There's times where like, maybe it would get views, but it's just not somebody I feel like I personally connect to. Right. And, and as far as the sponsors go, man, that's been a hard one because if I don't use the product, if I wouldn't pay, here's, here's my standard. If I wouldn't pay retail for a product or if I wouldn't go into business with the people behind it, I I cannot, I cannot in good faith. I want people to listen to the podcast. If they hear an ad to, to have some sort of truth in advertising, right? Like I, 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 I've turned down money because I'm like, I, it's just, it's just, I, I can't, I can't, I can't lie about something just to get paid because one of two things, I'm going to get feedback of like, Hey dude, we tried it. It sucks. I'm never going to listen to you ever again. Or the part, the product I really wanted comes along later and I have to tell everybody, okay, I was lying. I actually wanted them this whole time and we're swapping ships. And so 
it's not necessarily getting the sponsors. I don't think, I think you can, I think you can hustle around and make some money. You right? can, but you're sacrificing your longevity by getting the wrong sponsors early. Well, you shouldn't be podcasting if it's about the money. Cause I mean, you just can't No, because you shouldn't there. do anything if it's just about the money yep. more than likely. Cause yep. that's a, that's a recipe for a sad life. Have your guys like your sponsors, the podcast, have they said like, Hey, let us know when you're ready to fire back up. Are they, have people stuck with it pretty good or just no contact or, uh, you know, when our contracts were up, it was kind of like we let everybody know, but there we had, I don't ever want to do that again. There's only two sponsors that were totally just three that were just awesome and just let us do our thing. But we had sponsored with one and they were our, biggest sponsor it was a rodeo organization i was with them for a long time but they just unfortunately we butted heads a lot because they tried to push people as guests on the show that i in good faith couldn't have because it it didn't make sense right you know so that one they were mad at us because they wanted us to do all these things and like i just don't feel like they thought they got what they should have gotten out of it because you're like dude you're giving me this money because of all the views you're getting right you know, I, I, unfortunately I can't have what's her name on the podcast. Cause first of all, no one knows who she is and she doesn't have a story yet. And it's not fair to the listeners. Well, it's not fair to that person to go trot them out in front of an audience and they don't know what to say or how to talk. It's not fair to that person either. No, you know? no. But everything that I ever did with the gauge was for the audience. Yeah. Only thinking about the audience and will they get something out of this? So I understand that this person went and they won the breakaway at this one event, but I don't know who they are. They don't have a story yet. They right. might. Right. Get it's, their not story. it's not personal. It's not personal. It's nothing personal. Not the right they time. don't have their story yet. Yeah. Um, and until they do, they can't be on the show. But well, we we sponsor you guys, and we need our people on there. It's like, uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's not how this works. Um, so yeah, it was it was totally fine. I mean, there's a few sponsors today. You just let me know when you're ready, and I'll right. send you a check. But well, so we uh, I've said I've said this from the beginning, and there's no secret about this. I'm, I'm very open about it. Is that we're, our the whole podcast has four legs? It's the guest. You don't have a guest, you don't have a podcast. It's the host. You don't have a host, you don't have a podcast. But if you don't have listeners, you still don't have a podcast. So you do all that and you have no sponsors, you don't have a podcast for very long, right? So it's like this four-legged table. And so for that reason, I'm actually, ta- in, in, in a very real sense, when you have sponsors, you're actually taking on a business partner because they're one-fourth of what keeps the podcast going. And so I try to make sure it's people that I will go to bat for. I'll answer questions on social media. I, I have people message me all the time. What about this product? What about that product? And like, it's a, it's a fun culture. I feel like it's a community that's sort of been built. It took us a little while, but now there's a community of people that I, I love being in business with. Yeah, no, it's true. And I mean, we had good luck with our, our three biggest sponsors we had the entire time. Who were they? Uh, it was Bill Fick Ford, Resist All, and the WCRA. Yep. We had other sponsors like Pendleton Whiskey that didn't get on great. We did. We had a few others. Um, we also had Rock and Roll Denim. They were a great sponsor too. Mm-hmm. Really good. And they were all hands off. Um, the WCRA was the only one who were like, they really, I don't think they felt like they got their value. Right. Because they wanted to push guests. And I would, I would tell our teams like, I, they can't come on right. to gauge. First of all. The WCRA is not thinking about that this person's not going to get downloads because no one knows who they are. Um, they're just thinking, hey, this person is going to talk about our app and they're going to talk about the WCRA process. It's almost like an hour-long commercial. Yeah, but it doesn't work. Careful. Yeah, yeah. Well, and good on work. you. Good on you. And I, I mean, I've, I've said no to people for this very reason of like, hey, I get what you're saying. Trust me. It's not going to work. What yeah. you're trying to do, just please believe me. It's you know, there work. was another one. I had a conversation like that with Billy Bray. 
<laughs> and she was like, okay, we'll sponsor this, but, but you have to talk about this product with that person. You have to insert it here. I'm like, Billy, I don't think we're going to fit. I love Equibrand, but it's not going to work. So I, th- and I, and I think it's, it's a, I don't know how to say that. Like it's a very personal thing. And I think if people trust you and you do a good job when you say you're going to do a good job and you're really protective, I want to make sure before I ever say yes, I want to have a high level of confidence that I can deliver on the money they're putting into us. Yeah. And if I don't, I won't sleep at night. So I don't want the money. I do not want the money, even from good people. I don't want the money if I can't guarantee them a return that is satisfactory because life is too long, right? Like you're going to, you're going to look back on that and be like, man, I was not a good business partner to that person, that person. So yeah, the best thing, and I probably won't take on sponsors because we got monetized mainstream monetization. And so we partnered with iHeartRadio. There you go. And they just throw ads on for you. And when you get that monetization, you just, you get a, a good CPM. Yep. And you don't, you're not just saying, okay, I'll take 50 grand for the year. Right. You just get paid on what you create. You right. don't talk to anybody. You don't know anybody. You just get a deposit. Um, and so getting that, it took some odd number of millions of downloads to qualify for the top tier. Yeah. You know, once you hit this amount of downloads per whatever their pre, I can't remember what the yeah, was. Whatever they're mo- then you get monetized. And when you're monetized, you don't even have to do ads. They put ads on for you. That's awesome. Now, granted, somebody could be talking about Propecia on one of my episodes. <laughs> I don't know that. Sorry if they did. Or right. about Viagra. I don't know what they were. Yeah. But from like a not having to worry about it standpoint, yeah, not right. feeling like you're going to let somebody down or having to have those tough conversations where they try to push guests and want you to talk about their product right. on the show. Because nobody wanted their ad, right? Uh, they well they did, but they wanted you to fit their product into a conversation. Yeah, integrate it and integrate it. And yeah. I would never did it. Would never do that. It's clunky. I mean, if it's not something well, okay. I know we're going way over on time now, but I don't even know what your time is per episode. I'm still well, it's not that. It's that I gotta go home and start saddling two and three or three and four wheels. Um right. I think I enjoy I know it sounds crazy. I think I enjoy the advertising element of what we do. And I'll say that for this reason, once you've vetted a product and once you've vetted the people, some of my best friends are advertisers. Like there's advertisers that'll call and be like, all right, talk to you. I love you. Love you too. Like I really enjoy that part of it. And I think the reason I enjoy but that's that, the Western industry coming out too. But that's what I'm saying. I, I, I would even, you know, even in the, the instance, like, and we're not, we're not monetized, so I can't really say, but I like introducing new products. I like when something comes out that I like and people listen to the podcast and I go, wait, what's that? And like, I would, I would miss that if that ever went away. Cause it's such a big part of our culture. Well, I'll tell you too. I always have loved being able to represent Bill Fick Ford, um, because he's such a good guy. Yeah. And then Ricky Bolin, Mary Jane at resist all. Those yeah. are the two, uh, two, that I felt best about. And yeah. also rock and roll denim was a great partner too. Yeah. But I think when it's like that, when it's like that, if you can go slow and eventually only have that only, that's it. If it's yeah. not that don't do it, wait until it is. Then man, the advertising part of it to me is fun because I can't tell you how many times I get people call me like, Hey, I tried this, this, or this, like I heard about it on the podcast. I tried it. Dude, I love it. It's changed my life. That to me, man, that's rewarding. I love that relationship. Even with the audience that says, I know, right. That's the same experience I had with them. You right. know? And so I mean, I don't know. We're talking theoreticals, but I, I have to this, to this point, I've enjoyed it. So yeah, uh, there's nothing like it. And if you can do it at a high level and you can make a difference in people's lives, it's a good thing. Yeah. So yeah. Chance, 
man, good to hear your voice again. Yeah. Wish you all the best. If you Thank don't mind, you. shoot us a shoot us a thumbs up when it's ready to start rolling again. We'll throw it up on all of our stuff and Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Let me know when you release this and I'll cross platform share. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah.